Welcome to Periop Talk, the perioperative specific podcast where we discuss how to make surgery safer one podcast at a time. From Q&As with AORN guideline authors to interviews with OR nurses just like you, our goal is to always share practical information for you to take back to your OR. This is Renee Battier, Vice President of Nursing at AORN. With us today is Sharon Ponting, a career perioperative nurse and director with 30 years of expertise in all surgical specialties, including the past 18 years as a perioperative services educator for inpatient, outpatient, and sterile processing settings. This past year, Sharon has been working with the St. Charles Health System in Bend, Oregon, where she has had the opportunity to introduce Health Scholars Fire in the OR virtual reality training to more than 150 providers, transforming their culture of learning and approach to annual competencies. Sharon, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Renee. It's an honor and a privilege to speak to you and to our my fellow nurses out there. October is Fire Safety Month, so it's a perfect time to talk about this annual training requirement and how we can do it better. Sharon, let's talk about introducing virtual reality training to my perioperative team. It, it is a new type of program, and I, I want to talk about the steps that you went through. What kind of questions should I ask myself or my staff to think about the right fit um, and just how to do that successful launch? Well, I think that given the times that we are in now, virtual reality is, it, it, it's bound to be the next step. It enables us to create social distancing while learning. Mm. It improves uh, teamwork through the virtual reality team that you're actually working with. Mm -hmm. You have the headset on, you're working with a team. You're right. speaking to team members and you're responding to their requests of you. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, it's just going to be the next avenue of education as we move through technology and technology is moving at the speed of light. I think that VR is, is the next step. And for my folks um, who need a little bit of shot of adrenaline to get moving mm. through education. So education became very kind of ho-hum like you said, I don't, do I really have to go to this? This, this isn't really enjoyable for me. I'd rather go to breakfast. Um, it, it gives them um, an opportunity to do something new, something exciting. Mm -hmm. um, they can play it back and they can watch themselves. They can evaluate themselves. Um, they sometimes videotape it and send it take it home and show it to their kids because it's wow. cool. look what mom did. Um, wow. It's not just my 14 year old that's doing cool stuff. It's mom doing cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And medicine is moving forward quickly. We all know that, especially in the OR technology is week to week. There's something new um, and education needs to move along. So I introduced this to the folks at St. Charles as really an opportunity to change the kind of platform mm -hmm. in which we educate mm -hmm. and to engage those nurses that are entering the workforce, especially in the operating room. And we have a generation of nurses coming to us, I hope in droves soon, yeah. um, that have an expectation of having a high degree of technology in the workplace. Mm -hmm. 
They mm -hmm. live with it. They right. live it every day. Their cell phones stay in their pocket. Um, and they, they want something more than the old-fashioned PowerPoint. Yeah. They want something like VR or active simulation. Mm -hmm. um, and this really combines both of those technologies together. There is a significant component of simulation because once you're involved and you're, you're kind of uh, put into this scenario, your patient is actually reacting in the scenario. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can actually see your patient's flesh starts to burn. And the oh. more quickly you grab that fire extinguisher, the less that burn ends up looking like at the end of your scenario. Right. If you're slow, you can see what happened because you were slow. So what I what I started to see was staff talking to the leaders saying, we have to get this. Wouldn't this be great if we could do X, Y, and Z education this way? What if we could do um, anaphylaxis this way? What if right. we could do bronchospasm this way? It, it really, um, I think the staff themselves, once they um, completed the exercise and started to chat with their peers and colleagues and physicians, um, they drove it. I introduced it, but they drove it. Hmm. And then, of course, I, um, I invited the um, director of fire safety for the hospital oh. to, the, to, to come and look and see what I had done because oh. I had to get credit for this being an actual fire drill. Right, right, right. And so he came and he, I put him on the, go on the goggles and he did the scenario. He said, Sherry, I have never seen anything like this. Absolutely, positively, you get credit for this. And can we do this for department A, B, C, D, and E? Sure, sure. So that's where then it kind of leapt to the administrative level. Right. And quality and safety and risk management management became engaged in this and saw the value. I think that's an important point of pulling in some key partners in the organization, make sure they know about it, but experience and they become additional champions yes. uh, as you move that through. So talk about selling it to the C-suite because it's not like going down to the dime store uh, and it's a significant investment, uh, equipment, time, learning. So talk about that of how, how you did that and what you would recommend for others. Well, what I did is I presented them with data and data speaks volumes to C-suites. It does. So I showed them that I was able to put 150 participants through VR in a matter of about three weeks versus me tying people up for hours and hours at a time to, to sit in a room and wait for someone to come to them who may or may not even end up coming to them, right? right. You right. put them on their way to go see education and guess what? They never arrive there. Right. <laughs> well, when, they're, when they're going to something exciting and new, um, literally, Renee, they were lined up outside the door. <laughs> like they, they would arrive ahead of their time. I'd say, now, wait a second. You're not till 1.30. Oh, but I want to watch the person in front of me. Oh. So, so I was able to show the data. And the beauty of um, this Health Scholars VR is that it has um, exportable um, um, uh, Excel spreadsheets that mm -hmm. will tell you who participated, what mm -hmm. date they participated, 
what their score was because at the end of the scenario, they take a, a quiz, sure. they point to the answers and they're scored what their score was and how long it took them to complete the scenario. And, uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and you can get any number of data elements if you want sure. Out, sure. Of, out of this. But I think that they saw the value in um, the engagement of the staff and the, repeat, the, the ability to do this in a rapid fashion, saving time, money, and resources, and giving them as close to a realistic scenario as we could possibly give them. Right. Um, and not tying up an operating room or the operating room staff. Key. Key. That's the bottom line revenue. That's what you want to protect. Yeah. Great, great discussion of that. I could have done this in a, in an empty office. I could have done this. I did this quite quite frankly in in the cataract room on the days that we didn't have cataract. <laughs> um, and in using that room, we were able to let people come in. That room doesn't require you to be um, in scrubs. It's it's before the red line because it's kind of an outpatient room. Um, so we were able to uh, ask the OB L and D nurses who also have a risk of fire because they do C-sections and they use chloroprep. And oftentimes they're making an incision awfully quick after throwing chloroprep out of patients. Oh. So it, it really uh, made an impact for them um, as well. And um, being able to get those folks done um, and completed with this mandatory education um, really kind of sold it. You did a nice job of talking about different champions that you engaged along the way, uh, whether other departments or within the department. Can you talk a little bit too about, was this standalone? I think I think you talked about it, how it was within the context of some other training. It wasn't the only piece of it, but talk a little bit about how you see that in terms of fire in the OR as a topic, what role this plays in uh, the other curriculum, if you will, for that topic? Well, I used the virtual reality as a second step in the mm -hmm. education process. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I first presented my relatively typical, although like I said, I try to have fun when I teach. I try to make it enjoyable. They always know they're in for an adventure when they come to Sherry's class. They never know what they're going to get when they walk in the door. But they, um, I did my typical presentation of fire in the OR and uh, based it on the AORN fire in the OR toolkit, mm -hmm, uh, which mm -hmm. is fabulous, by the way. So Good. I Good. took the presentation and I just mm -hmm. cannibalized it a little bit mm -hmm. and made it fit to our organization with pictures of our operating room and what those things looked like, where our fire extinguishers were located. I just kind of put our pictures in there. Um, but the, the content of the curriculum remains, I mean, everybody needs to learn the same things when it comes to fire. So I, like I said, I did this in a two-step process. The first process was basically that lecture, if you would. Um, and I made that about, oh, 30 minutes, 35, 40 minutes. And then the last 15, like I said, I had my partner demonstrate the VR. And they were then again able to review the steps. What a fire triangle, the components of a fire triangle, what part each role in the operating room plays. So who controls mm -hmm. the oxidizer? Sure. Well, that would be the anesthesia. 
Who controls the ignition source? Well, that would be the surgeon. Who controls the fuel? Well, that would be the nurse that might not let the prep dry, right? Right. Um, so they were able to see all of that in the in the kind of the practice that that my partner was doing. Mm-hmm. So it really reinforced what I had just lectured on. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I said to them, okay, everybody, thank you for joining. Now everyone's going to do the practicum. How fun is that going to be? Because now you all get to wear VR goggles. So that was how I presented it. And it, it turned out to be very successful. I, I actually was quite shocked. Um, well over 100% uh, participation because I had people above and beyond those that were required to be there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when the word got out. So That's awesome. Yeah. You, you shared a lot of tips as you dove in and figured it out how to get the, the program started. If, some, if I asked you, what would be your top three or four things for getting the staff excited and rolling it out? Now that you've done this, what would what would you say for those that are listening with us? What would be your key points to do? Um, I suppose that I would somehow introduce the concept of virtual reality. And when I did that, I said, how many of you have children or nephews or family that owns an Xbox? There you go. Mm-hmm. How many of you ever used an Xbox? Well, fewer hands went up, right? So how many of your children have an Xbox? How many of you have used the Xbox? Heck no, okay? How many of you you have used a Wii? I think it's called a Wii, where you Mm -hmm. pretend Mm -hmm. like you're playing tennis. More people had done that. So when I started to talk about that and said, guess what? We have this great new technology that will let us fight a fire, real-life scenario, using this kind of virtual reality technology. Mm-hmm. And there, there was no doubt that it was, uh, first of all, they didn't believe me. They said, oh, come on, Sherry, come on. <laughs> I, said, I said, just trust me, guys. I'll do the demonstration next week, mm-hmm. but I want you to know it's coming. And I, and I had um, standing room only in the East PACU during the lecture because they knew that VR was coming. So I put up the signs everywhere, you know, and I find some very unique places to put signs like the inside of the lavatory stalls and things like that, where I can get the message out that something new is coming. Right, right. And I walk around and talk about it. I really just walk around and talk about it. Hey, you're coming on Friday, aren't you? Ooh, you got to be there. And sometimes I invite um, docs to come. Some of my docs that like to have a bigger hand in the education and you know, the advent of technology, kind of my geeky guys, you know, if Mm -hmm. I can get those guys to come, they'll bring a whole bunch of people with them. Sure, sure. Just building the excitement, giving them kind of a sneak peek and and that word of mouth, you've really done a nice job of describing how that word of mouth just empowered getting people there. Sharon, I know that a lot of people are dealing with staff shortages or reduced education time and challenges, especially because of the last year and a half we've had. So talk about how that's another element of how this platform is so powerful in being in used in those situations as well. Well, uh, Renee, you're right. Um, the, the staffing crisis in nursing is profound and significant. And the sub 
area of the operating room is has been hit very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a, a, an exodus of a, a group of nurses that have retired mm-hmm. that have typically been in the OR for years um, and, and really made up a large portion of our OR staff were those folks that are kind of leaving the workforce sure. now. On top of that, less nurses coming in. So it creates challenges to staff rooms, period. Just yep. to get nurses into the operating room, to staff rooms, to create the revenue, to service our patients, to provide the care that they need, um, and and to kind of uh, start working on the backlog of cases that we've been kind of putting off, putting off through, through what's been going on in our country. Um, so I think that that has also created challenges in education. Sure. And sometimes education kind of gets put on the back burner. Because, of course, performing cases is number one. Caring for our patients is primary. Right. We can't lose sight, though, that the care that we provide has to be safe. And those that are providing the care have to be prepared to provide safe care. And that comes through education. And I have yet to meet an OR nurse that has not been passionate about wanting education in, in, Mm -hmm. in in the context of their workplace. Um, and oftentimes they feel that, that, it, that it's never enough. You know, why don't we get mm-hmm. more education? We need more education. Mm-hmm. Well, let's mm-hmm. try to provide education in an efficient manner where we provide education to people when it's best for the department. Right. And we can be flexible. Mm-hmm. And technology mm-hmm. allows us to do that. Right. I've right. gone in on weekend, on Saturday mornings, and I've provided this education to those that work only weekends, sure, um, just between cases. So they hmm. have uh, an hour and a half break between cases. Sure, um, sure. They're waiting for Dr. X to come, Dr. Y finished, and I said, hey, you got 30 minutes? Let's do it. And they are super excited, and they feel actually quite cared for that someone hmm. will come in and do this for them because the weekend and night shift people sometimes feel like they get right. the short end of the stick with education. Right, right. They right. have to watch the recording. But this time they could do it live. And that was very powerful. So I think it's um, very beneficial um, to provide this kind of education when you are already struggling um, with staffing. Right. I think you you do a nice job of drawing the lines between you. We want it effective. Everybody needs to have it. But the flexibility, the comfort and the empowerment it gives to staff no matter what shift. Uh, and the ability to do it in a really timely and effective way is a is a really unique part of this um, approach. So great comment, thank you. So Sharon, it sounds like you've done some great things with the fire and the ORVR. What would your next topic be that you would want to work on in this manner? I think that the next most powerful element of education that's necessary for regulatory standards mm-hmm. um, and safety mm-hmm. is malignant hyperthermia in the OR. Ah, great topic. Th- that is something that is um, typically a little scary for mm-hmm. people. Um, they think it's never going to happen to them, right. especially if they don't live in a hot spot like the Midwest where I live, where it it, it is uh, real. Right. Um, and I think that the VR component of MH um, in partnership with a some sort of an educational presentation mm-hmm. would be very mm-hmm. powerful. Mm-hmm. 
And again, pairing it like you did with fire in the OR. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And refine those skills that they that they need and the teamwork that's required in an MH crisis yes. is profound. Yes. And the multitasking required. Yes. And the mm -hmm. amount of people required to each perform a task simultaneously mm -hmm. to save this patient's life is essential. And I think that would be um, wonderful. Right. Another low incidence but high risk event that our staff needs to know. That's a really exciting story that you've shared with us. And I really want to thank you for taking the time to describe this and share how exciting it can be and what an impact it can be. Thank you, Sharon Ponting, for spending time with AORN. It's been great conversation today, and we've learned a lot about incorporating much more exciting and engaging technology that's effective in our education and training. I hope well, you all have gotten... Thank, thank you, Renee, for allowing me to um, tell you our story from St. Charles. And I really hope that um, that others uh, seek out opportunities like this mm -hmm. to um, improve the way that we do education, that we perform education, and to try to uh, build teamwork and collaboration in our ranks um, so that we can all learn and um, move forward. At the end of the day, it's all about safer surgery and helping our teams know what to do when they need it. So I hope all of our listeners have gotten some new ideas and approaches that are actionable in their setting. If you'd like to learn more about Fire in the OR, you can go to AORN.org. Thank you all for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll share this podcast with your colleagues, and we hope that you'll join us next time for Periop Talk.